Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, the Navman range continues to expand. When it comes to dash cams, there continues to be more and more innovations happening in this space. And it's exciting that almost every week when I do check the Navman website before recording this show, there's something happening. There's something new changing. Now, the MyView Outer, we've talked about the Workmate before, which is perfect for you know, those who drive utes and, and tradies and things like that. The outer range, however, is expanding with that vertical shaped dash cam that is perfect for any car to be situated right alongside that rear view mirror without cords and mess hanging around. This is that perfect little dash cam that will set and forget is what I like to call it. Set and forget. You install it, you get the card in there, you make sure it's all working, you connect it with your phone and that's it. You don't have to take the dash cam out of the car. It basically becomes part of the vehicle and it does everything. And the best thing, and what I mean by everything, is it doesn't just record. Dash cams from Navman don't just record what's happening in front of you. One of the things that I love is it gives you that premium safety alerts. It talks to you about those mobile cameras, you know, those cameras that are, you know, tracking your speed and things like that. You'll get alerts about all those things that are upcoming. So if you're entering a school zone, you'll get notified. Drop down to 40, especially with school being back from holidays. If there's a speed camera up ahead that's been recently installed, you'll be notified. And all of these updates continue to come through on a month-by-month basis onto the camera. But it also will recognize speed limits. And this is a really important thing, guys, is that if you are driving and suddenly there's a 60 sign up and you haven't adjusted, this will notify you of you. So it won't actually just record what's happening in front and everything else that it does from a video perspective. It actually gives you so much more at the same time. So do check out the entire range. Have a look at the demo videos. There's plenty to watch so you can actually see for yourself why a high quality dash cam is important. Let's get on with the show. Rasembras ma Jeff Quattromani, multi Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Australia's number one technology podcast. As I said at the beginning of the show, I am Jeff Quattromani and I have been a busy bee. There's been a lot happening, especially today. And we will talk about why today has been particularly busy for me with the whole TikTok report. And uh, if you've been following any of my interactions online, you'll know what I'm about to talk about. But before we get into that, let's uh, we've taken the lid off something pretty special today. This is an Orlando Steingarten Riesling. Now, Steingarten is the, is the vineyard in Eden Valley, um, and Riesling is obviously the, the variety of the wine. Now, the reason why, when I opened this particular bottle, it brings back memories. I went to the Brossa Valley a number of years ago, and I spent some time with St. Hugo down there, um, and they took me to Steingarten. They took me to where this Riesling is grown, and you're literally standing on this mountaintop uh, looking out over the, the vineyard. And you're looking at the grapes that go into the bottle. And then suddenly you've got the bottle in front of you. We had a glass of the wine in front of the vineyards where it was grown. There's something quite special about doing that. I guess it's almost like eating a steak in front of the family of cows where it came from. There's something where you connect the two together and you appreciate it so much more. But what I do particularly remember about that visit was as we were about to leave after having a couple of glasses of wine, we literally almost came face to face with what I would say the biggest kangaroo that I've ever seen in my life. I swear it was taller than me when it was actually standing upright. This thing was massive. And the guy that was with us actually shoving us around, uh, by the time I turned around, he was so far up the road, jumping, get, jumping back in his car. If I didn't start running, um, I would have probably missed my ride back. He was 
out of there. And uh, he was petrified of the, of the giant kangaroo that was actually staring right in our faces, waiting or watching why he hadn't had a glass of the wine. Anyway, it is a delicious drop. This is a new vintage. It's about 50 bucks a bottle. So it is a very special occasion wine, but it is uh, so light, so easy to drink. Uh, it's dangerous in that respect. But honestly, if you can have it by the glass, standing outside, sunset, good company. Honestly, it's just one of those bottles of wine that you'll, uh, you'll enjoy and hopefully you don't see giant kangaroos chasing you in the process. Now, we're going to get into some tech news. I've got about three stories I want to cover. Um, and then I want to talk about TikTok and a report that came out today that has really set a few tongues wagging. Now, first of all, uh, last year we saw a number of scams, a number of scams. And we're going to continue to see scams. It's just part of life, right? But last year we saw some scams around Hey Mum. And it was people who would receive messages on WhatsApp, which would sound something along the lines of, Hey Mum, it's so-and-so using somebody else's phone. I'm caught in a bind. I need some money. And a lot of mums who received that message who have kids would read that, panic, transfer money to wherever it told them to, to transfer it, and hope for the best. A lot of people in Australia were targeted by this and globally, and a lot of people got scammed out of a lot of money. Now, now that people start to know about that scam a little bit more, we, I think we spoke about it last year, but now that more people know about it, less people are going to get caught out. The bigger problem now is this. Artificial intelligence has stepped into the ring and said, hey, if I can hear your voice, then I'm going to clone your voice and make phone calls that emulate the same type of conversation that we were doing so well on with the WhatsApp scams. Because what's more believable than somebody's voice in a phone call? You're probably thinking, well, hang on, how's that going to work? Have you ever posted a video on social media, Facebook, Twitter? Instagram, YouTube, your voice is out there. I mean, my voice is certainly out there. If anyone listens to my podcast, you can literally take one episode out of the podcast, stick it into a AI tool, and you could make me say literally anything. But with these tools, they can then plug somebody's voice into the tool, quickly do some social engineering to find out who their mama or dad is, or their husband or wife, and place that phone call and have that voice say anything they want it to say, make it sound believable, and make them transfer some money across. This is what's happening. People in the US are starting to receive these calls already. And I would encourage you that if you do receive calls from your husband, wife, daughter, mum, dad, significant other, friend, whatever it is, saying, I'm caught in a bind, I need some money, ask them a question that only you or them, sorry, ask them a question that only they would know the answer to. Um, you know, if, if it was someone saying it was your wife, say, well, when's our anniversary? Where did we get married? Um, you know, questions that wouldn't necessarily be easy for a scammer to quickly respond with, because obviously if it was your wife, she'd know, right? And they're the sort of things that are going to help you not get caught out. Because honestly, I can see how people would panic, think, oh my God, it's someone I love. I need to quickly help them. And they would actually get caught. So that's one of the advice, pieces of advice that I've been giving to a lot of people on radio this week on how they can try and prevent this from happening, because these calls are going to start happening. Now, I've been seeing quite a bit of news in the last couple of weeks uh, from different brands. And I don't know if you guys are noticing this trend as well. Massive power stations, as in portable power stations. Now, a, a couple of years ago, when I said power, like portable power, we were talking about little handheld bricks that you could plug your smartphone into and get a charge. But now, these things are the size of luggage, like the size of proper size suitcases that you have a huge chunky handle on, and it's got proper PowerPoint plugs on it, USB plugs, the whole lot. 
These are batteries that you can be using to power your fridge, your TV, a blender, whatever it is, without any other means of power. Now, I've been trying really hard to rack my head around why someone would want this. Now, I can see tradies potentially needing it on a job site where there's no electricity yet, and you could charge your power tools and whatnot. I can understand for camping where this could provide a benefit for, I don't know, small appliances like a kettle, uh, a blender, I don't know, a microwave. But I mean, is that really camping? But then I'm starting to think about this, outdoor movie nights. Outdoor movie nights, effectively, with one of these batteries, you could have a situation where you are in the middle of a paddock with a television, an Xbox, a lamp, um, I don't know, a fan, and you could be having a fully powered outdoor movie night or gaming session in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Yes, it requires a bit of work. I can see the problem here. I have to you know, carry a television and try not to break it. Might need a portable entertainment unit. I don't know how the logistics of this all works, but I'm trying to understand the real use case for something like this. And then the reason I'm talking about it today is because I'm kind of calling out to you. Uh, tell me how you think a portable power station would be used in your life. I'm literally thinking about outdoor movie nights still, a projector, a large speaker um, powered by one of these. That could be handy. I can see a use case for that. Uh, but honestly, I'm not sold on them. They're very expensive. They can cost about a thousand bucks. So if you're someone out there that's been interested in one of these, tell me what you would plan on using it for. Uh, I'm not quite sold yet on, on, on how it works. We don't have a lot of blackouts here where I'm not too worried about electricity in that sense. So yes, I could have one handy in case we lose power and I want to keep the fridge running. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if I lose a few stakes, I don't know. I don't know how worried I am. So that's my call out to you. There's a lot going on in that space. I would love to test one, but I need a bit of a use case as to why I would want to really give one a crack. Now, speaking of having a crack, uh, Tile. Tile is a company that's been around for a very long time when it comes to finding your lost keys, your lost wallet, your lost passport. I use a Tile in my luggage whenever I travel. I use a Tile in my passport wallet whenever I travel. Uh, there is a, a Tile attached to my keys. I absolutely love them for trackers. They're very similar to the AirTag, but they were around before the AirTag. Now, Tile has launched a new product, which I think is kind of about time, but it's specifically, and this is what's interesting, it's specifically tailored to cats. So it's a cat tracking tag. It's got a three-year battery life. I mean, you probably see your cat more than once every three years. I think you have time. If it was a one-year battery life, I think you'll still manage. I think once a year, you'll see your cat and you could change the battery on their collar. But anyway, it's a three-year battery life, so you could really set and forget and uh, make sure you just feed your cat every now and then. But What's interesting to me is that this could have been done. An AirTag can easily be attached to a collar with an accessory. Um, even the tile products could easily have been attached to a collar. So it's interesting that they've released this very cat-specific product, and it doesn't even say that you can put it on a dog collar. It's literally a tile for cats. Um, that's what it's called. It's got, I love the fact it's got a three-year battery life. Personally, I'm thinking a three-year battery life on a tracker like this is kind of what I would want in my luggage. It's kind of what I would want in areas where I do lose things and not just for cats. But anyway, that's one way to get very niche on it. I guess they will release one for dogs at some point. I don't know how they would differ. I don't know why one would need to be different to the other in any way, but they're going to come to Australia. This will be available soon. It's got a 76 meter range, which basically means that you could find your cat from a mile away. You're anywhere in the house, you'd be able to easily find them and make their collar ring. Probably sends the cat deaf because those tiles get pretty loud. Uh, from a noise perspective. So that would be something I'd probably want to pay attention to. But the other thing which I do love is, and if you don't know, the Tile devices integrate with Siri, um, Amazon's voice assistant, I can't say her name, and the Google Assistant. 
And what that means is that you can be anywhere in the house and just call out to your smart speaker and say, ring my keys or ring my cat. And the cat's collar would just start blaring and you'd easily find them. Sometimes they hide behind couches and whatnot, I guess. Um, so it's a pretty handy thing if you just want to find where your animal is. And if they're in the backyard, that might be a way of scaring off the birds that it's trying to hunt down. I don't know. I don't have a cat. I don't have any pets that I'm really worried about. But I think they're going to make them for cats, make them for dogs. Where's the equality in the pet world? Uh, but anyway, that's the interesting thing. If you've got a cat, you really miss them. You, don't want, you want to make sure you can always find them. Then getting a tile for them would make sense. Or you just get a, a, a nice attachment for an AirTag if you're an iPhone user and stick that to their collar. Um, or ear, you can pierce their ear and put a little ring through it, put a little air tag on there like they do for cows. Now, if you're not interested in TikTok, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. If you are and you're interested in the I don't know, transparency of TikTok or the national security discussion or whatever it is, uh, stay tuned because there's been some drama today, a bit of drama, and I really want to not vent, but I really want to explain some stuff that's going on at the moment. Now, if you've been following this show and you've been paying attention to the media, you'd know that there have been some concerns around a really popular social media app called TikTok. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, TikTok is a video sharing platform. It doesn't do much else except allow you to share videos and send messages to those who do. And it's an application that is owned by a company called ByteDance. ByteDance is a company in China. Uh, so effectively, TikTok is a Chinese-owned company, uh, even though they have shareholdings in other parts of the world. They are primarily owned by ByteDance, Binance being a Chinese company. And that is where some of the concerns have been raised in the past around the safety of TikTok, given that it is Chinese owned. Now, what I mean by the concerns, well, we've seen a number of governments, uh, including the Australian government, mandate that the application should not be installed on government devices because of security concerns that they have with the platform. Knowing that, the application does have access to certain things on the device, and we'll get into that in a second. We have certain access to certain things on the device, and that that data could potentially could potentially be accessed by the Chinese government if they were to request that. And given that they are a Chinese company, the law in China suggests that they would have to comply and be secretive about those requests and comply. Basically, meaning the Chinese government could look into the data and. ByteDance or TikTok would not have to disclose that that did occur. That's literally what's written in Article 7 or whatever it's called uh, of the Chinese law or government, whatever they want to call themselves. So that's where the concern is. As a result, TikTok has obviously gone on the defense. And in recent times, they've had their local managing director or whatever the senior position is in Australia. He's appeared on a number of TV shows, which, which is nice and brave, and basically said, we don't do anything different to what other social media apps are doing. We are, being, we are being unfairly treated because of our connections with China. Okay, completely, completely valid point. Now, overnight, uh, this is being recorded on a Thursday. So overnight, I received an email from TikTok's PR team. And the email was to share a report. Okay, they wanted to share a third-party data security report by a cybersecurity expert. I love this. I love that they would do something like this because I think it's an important thing for them to continue to defend themselves as they would like to be fairly treated. Now, looking at the report, uh, it's a number of pages. I like to take the time to read this 
reports and actually really understand what's in them. Uh, I like to look at the numbers. I like to look at the facts and the findings and not just focus on the headline or the message that's in the email from the PR company. Now, the PR company has shared a few key takeaways and there's maybe four points. Okay. And there are a number of uh, people who might call themselves journalists. I don't know what they would call themselves. Maybe they call themselves tech commentators like I do, uh, who have taken some of this on face value, not reading the report, not looking into it. And as a result, the headlines that I've seen today have said, Google and Facebook collect more data than TikTok, absolving TikTok of any wrongdoings or any uh, mistreatments that the government, for example, has been given them. The problem here is that if you read the report, you'll actually understand what's going on. Now, first of all, the report that was commissioned by TikTok um, with a third-party cybersecurity expert, and the cybersecurity expert's name is Nigel Fair. Nigel Fair is no slouch. He has a 21-year career uh, with the federal police, the Australian federal police, he is a like a serious cybersecurity guy. Like he's not someone who um, they've just called a cybersecurity guy. He actually is. He actually is a very credible person. So when you have someone like his name next to a report like this, you do have to take it seriously because this is someone. Uh, he's a professor of cybersecurity at Monash University. He's he's someone. Okay, this isn't just Joe Joe Smith down the down the road who they've asked to do this report. Now, what is important to remember is TikTok commissioned Nigel to produce this report. In an interview this morning or this afternoon with Sky News, Nigel said, word for word, that TikTok gave him the terms of what would need to be um, researched in the report, as in they laid the fence of where he should be looking and didn't necessarily say, make us vindicate us. They basically said, look at these terms, as in data collection terms, and do a comparison. If you're a cybersecurity expert and a company is hiring you to defend the company, you've got to question whether your credibility will be in question. You've got to question your question, right? I'm, I'm sorry, Nigel, but you have an amazing reputation and this report is not going to be good for your resume. Now, let's go into this report a little bit because I have been talking about it. Now, yes, there are examples in the report that do suggest that um, platforms like Meta and Google collect more data than TikTok. There, and that's true. I don't think that was ever brought into question because the reality is, is that Facebook and Google provide more services in their apps or in their platforms to consumers than TikTok does. TikTok is a video sharing platform, whereas Facebook has marketplace, it has gaming, it has um, live streaming, it has a number of different services on there that do not correlate to what TikTok does. Okay, you can't do a simple status update. You can't write on someone's wall. You know, there's a Facebook is not um, is not just a video sharing platform. It is so much more. And as a result, yes, naturally there is going to be some things from a data collection point of view, that are different to TikTok, such as billing information, because you can, tr you can actually procure services through Facebook. Um, there's a number of differences. Then on a Google side, well, Google, hey, let's just think about what Google has. Google Docs, Gmail, YouTube, um, Google Search. 
There is, when you think about what Google collects, yeah, they're going to collect a lot, a bigger variety of data because you're interacting them in different ways. There is no TikTok docs or spreadsheets or slides. There is no TikTok search platform. Like to compare what TikTok collects with these companies, yeah, okay, you can make the comparison, but there's a pretty obvious reason as to why one is collecting more information than the other. But then we go a little bit deeper. And we start to look at what the applications do. So what do the applications do on the device? And what was great here is that he decided to look at the TikTok app, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Now, as you're going through this, he's used some pretty off-the-shelf tools to run these checks on these apps to see what's wrong with them, what's good about them, what kind of access they have to the device. No surprises in terms of that the application has permissions to access your contact, has permissions to access messages or um, location, date of birth. Almost all of them have the same level of access that you would have expected them to have. And if you want a level playing field, yeah, there is a level playing field in terms of TikTok's not necessarily asking for more access than what Facebook or Instagram does to your device and to the content that's on your device in location and so on. That's pretty much the same. So yes, it would not be fair for us to ban TikTok based on that. And that was never the reason why the government did that. The reason the government did that is because of its links to China and the level of trust that we have with the Chinese government compared to an American company that's headquartered in America. That's the part that is completely missing from this report, is that you can literally tell that he was so instructed to sit between a small fenced paddock that he was unable to actually even consider the real reasons why TikTok is in the hot water that they're in. But he doesn't make it easy for himself because he goes through and he assesses each of these applications and talks about the observations behind the Facebook app. And he actually even says here, there's a couple of statements in here where it says, um, this service determined that Facebook was actually a Trojan, but this was a false positive. What? I'll, I'll read this to you. This is literally in his report. When it comes to the Facebook observations, one security vendor flagged the product, as in the app, the Facebook app, as a Trojan. The vendor, Jian Ming, which is a Chinese antivirus software company, has now, we have now flagged this as a false positive. If your report is to outline where a false positive has occurred, it probably didn't need to be in the report and it probably should not be mentioned as a Trojan when you yourself know that the Facebook app is not a Trojan app on any device in any way, shape, or form. So it was a very weird line in the report, which I kind of looked at and went, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you even include that? Now, they do also have um, some instances where it shows where hosting infrastructure is. And again, no real surprises around where data is hosted, whether it's Australia, Singapore, the US, and things like that as it goes through the apps. But then it gets to the analysis of itself. You know, because TikTok commissioned the reports, they, an they analyze their, their own app. So the TikTok observation, and you're starting to realize things look a little bit different here. And there's a couple of stuff that I kind of went, hang on a minute. This wasn't mentioned in the executive summary. This wasn't mentioned in the PR spiel of the top points to notice. But it does say it was determined that sensitive data such as GPS location, contacts, camera, and audio access could be requested. Okay. Again, this is level playing field with every other app that we've seen, so that's not necessarily a new bit of news. However, I then go to Tech Guide, which is run by a guy who 
has been in this industry for a while and should know better. His own article clearly says, TikTok does not have access to your location. It does not have access to your contacts. It literally says that in his article. And, and, and I quickly know that he's only read the email, hasn't opened the report, and is literally taking a side without actually looking into the detail. And I find that very disturbing that someone at, who does that for a living would be so wrong about their writing. But anyway, we move on. What I then start to look at when they start to analyze their own app is a couple of issues. There's a tool called Joe Sandbox, and I, I've used Joe Sandbox before to test APK, APKs. And it says, Joe Sandbox reported the assessed APK as clean. Great. This appeared to be due to anti-VM measures preventing execution, and it actually represents a false positive. His report says that the tool that they used to scan the TikTok application said it was clean. And in the next sentence, it says it was a false positive. So he says in the report that the application is clean, but that was a mistake. They don't run a second report. They don't re-upload the APK and run the report again. They just leave it. Oh, okay. So we tried doing a test. The test came back clean, but apparently there was a false negative. So we'll move on. That's not necessarily an assessment of the application, Nigel. I'm sorry. Then it says, and this is where I kind of start to get a little confused. It says a historical version of the application, which was an application released in July 2022, almost 12 months ago, um, shows that the evasion, the spyware measures of the application are consistent with other applications analyzed, meaning a version of the TikTok app from July last year was what was used for the analysis and the results came back to be similar to other applications without providing detail into what they are. Whereas with Facebook, they said it was a Trojan and that it was actually incorrect. But with this instance, they say, oh, we put an app through that was from 2022 and it, was, it said it had the same problems as all the other apps, but we're not going to outline what they are. What on earth is going on? I mean, it clearly, this, these two pages of the report clearly tell me that this guy is doing his very, very best to make sure that TikTok comes off looking squeaky clean, given that he paid him to make this report in the first place. But it also just doesn't make sense. If you're going to do that, at least make it look like you're trying. At least use a current version of the app to do the assessment. And if it comes back with a false positive, run it again, Jim. Run it back through the sandbox. Run it back through the test and make it produce a result because it clearly was possible when you did it with the Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat APK. So why not do it properly with the TikTok one and give us a real report with real answers because it's kind of confusing. Now, we then move on away from the application, and we start thinking about data. And I was fascinated by this because as a comparative study, because I guess Nigel's point here is to, is to prove that it's not just TikTok. The idea that he's been given is that, yeah, we, we, we are connected to China, but hey, look over there, look at what other platforms are doing. And that's why they did that comparison on the app in terms of data. Facebook has as much access to data as TikTok does. That should absolve them. Okay, then the next step was this. Who else is sharing data with China? I mean, if people are looking at TikTok as a company which shares data with China, who else is doing it? And Nigel, in his infinite wisdom, comes up with this. He says, companies such as ANZ Bank, 
Commonwealth Bank, National Australia Bank, Westpac, Telstra, Optus, Afterpay are all sharing data overseas as well. And I say overseas because then he goes into this, and this is, this is a couple of sentences in the report that I think he probably shouldn't have put in. As, as can be seen from the publicly available privacy policies, organize, these organizations all state that they may share Australians' personal data with overseas-based entities, including in China. Given the significant market share of these organizations, which includes some of Australia's largest banks and telecommunications providers, he says, it would be safe to assume that the vast majority of Australians have had their personally identifiable information shared with overseas-based entities in a range of foreign jurisdictions, including China, irrespective of their social media usage. So what he's effectively saying here is that if you're a Telstra customer, it would be safe to assume that your data has been shared with China. I mean, that's, that's how you throw the biggest companies in Australia under the bus? Yeah, that's exactly how you do it. So what do I do? Instead of just writing that as a headline, as again, I saw TikTok, not TikTok, <laughs> Tech Guide do, and actually EFTM did it as well. They said, these other companies are complicit. So where is the evidence and fairness that actually makes it fair that TikTok is under this scrutiny when Telstra isn't? This was the, what these tech commentators we have in Australia wanted to highlight, that Telstra was as complicit as TikTok. Companies that aren't Chinese-owned are somehow as complicit as TikTok. So what do I do? I just do what every other journalist probably should do, and I send an email to Telstra. We, like The PR contacts that we do have at these companies are pretty open, and they're pretty quick to respond. Um, Anyway, so I, I email Telstra and, and I get a very quick phone call, actually. And I said, look, all I need to know from you is this. I can see in your privacy policy that you mentioned China. Why is that? And what data is going to China? And it was very simple. Like, it was just so simple that they came back. And let me find the exact uh, message because I want to be as fair as possible. Uh, I will go to my Twitter to find that because I actually tweeted it out word for word to make sure. The response that I got back was quite simple here. It says, China is included because we have enterprise business operations in China through our PacNet acquisition. So there's a company called PacNet, that, which is an enterprise uh, customer-only acquisition that was made by Telstra. PacNet was a Chinese company that were bought by Telstra. They provide global services. Ever heard of global roaming? Yeah, they're part of helping that stuff work. Um, however, we do not share any consumer customer data with organizations in China. There is no reason, and, and this is me now talking, there is no reason for consumer customer data to integrate with PacNet or to actually even go into any of their Chinese systems or services. And it was very clear in my conversation with Telstra how almost offended they were to have now been dragged into this conversation when in actual fact, this is purely deflection. This is purely a company who is under the spotlight trying to say me too or them too to other brands without actually any effort or concern. Now, Nigel, before he decided to write these paragraphs about Telstra, for example, could have done the same thing I did and asked them, why do you do that? What do you do with China? What data are you giving to China? And he would have got a proper response. I asked for a very rushed response because I was about to do Channel 10 News. I had a number of radio spots about this, and I wanted to make sure at least I had some information. But if I was a researcher, if I was commissioned to really research some specifics into something like this, 
it might have been something I did before I started to throw some of the biggest companies in Australia that impact millions of people in this country, more than there is in a TikTok user base, um, and throw them under the bus. I think that would have been a really good idea. And if you want to improve relations in this country, this is not how you go about it. You don't start blaming the banks, the biggest telcos, and say, oh, them too. Because you know what? You might want to look into the detail here. And first of all, I appreciate the transparency and the instant transparency from Telstra. When I asked, I got an answer and I was able to communicate that. So is your, are you a Telstra customer and you think your data is going to China? Sorry, that's not what's happening. Even if Nigel Fair, who's being paid by TikTok to produce this report, would like you to believe that. That's definitely not the case. And that's something that Telstra stand by and something I completely believe. Now, the other thing that was interesting was this. Obviously, it's a paid report. Um, and I think I said it in the Channel 10 interview, I'm like, amazingly, TikTok funded a report about themselves and they came off looking good. I mean, who would have thought that they would pay somebody to do a report for them and that the outcome would make them shine positively? It should have been easier. It should have been so much easier for Nigel to make them look good while still being very selective on facts. This has been a very selective on facts report. As he said in his own interview with Sky News today, they gave him the terms. They told him the boundaries to work within. They told him where to look, but they couldn't even give him a correct APK to use in the scanning applications. He couldn't even run a current APK through the scanning tools to make sure he produces an accurate report. He couldn't do any of those things. And whenever he had a false positive, he mentioned it and moved on rather than rerunning any of the tests. It was almost like he was given 10 minutes to produce this entire report. And if it didn't work the first time, that's fine. Move on, accept it as, as a fail. It's lunacy that people are out there covering this report as fact, covering it as if it isn't an ad from, from TikTok. And I've been in a number of discussions today about it, and I just don't get it. I mean, Yes, I'm not necessarily saying that everyone should stop using TikTok, but I'm saying that if you use it, you should know that there is a chance that the Chinese government has access or if they wanted to access your data, they could. And that is the data that you're sharing. It's just a level of trust. But if you're going to produce a report that is either in defense of TikTok or trying to cast a shadow on any other brand, you better do a really good job of it. And in this case, it stinks. It stinks. And it reminds me of that Seinfeld episode when the, the BO gets in the car and they go, it stinks. And they bring all the tomato sauce in, they source the car and it still stinks. You can put a lot of tomato sauce on this report and it still stinks. I'm sorry, Nigel. I know I, I, I tried reaching out to you on Twitter. I had some questions. My, my simple question to Nigel was around the application. I said, hi, Nigel, can you please help me understand this part of the report? I provided the screenshot. Why wasn't a more recent version of the app used for the scan? no response. But then on Sky News, he was very clear. The terms were provided. He didn't want to talk about how much he had been paid to produce the report. And in every question that he was asked, he deflected and said, it's the same as social media. It's the, other, it's the same as Facebook. It's the same as Google, but didn't want to go anywhere near the conversation around the Chinese government. Laura, who ran the interview at Sky News, called him out a couple of times and said, you know, the words that you're saying right now are word for word in the TikTok talking points that the MD had come on the show in the past and mentioned. He had been very well trained for his interviews today that were bound to be expected. And his talking points were very well trained, very well rehearsed. 
and he nailed it. So is he now a TikTok representative? I think so. Is he really a cybersecurity expert? He has a chance of, red- of redemption, and that would be to independently assess TikTok, independently assess Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and others, and actually produce a report that has spent some real time looking into, not producing false positives, not producing um, an APK from 12 months ago, but actually looking at the data, looking at where the data is going, looking at whether there is any smoking guns, and then producing a real report. I hate the fact that we've spent this much time on, on this episode talking about this, but I want you to be very conscious that when you hear other people talking about this in the media, that I've read the detail, and I encourage you to go and read the detail as well and uh, make your own decisions. But for us to take a report that was commissioned by TikTok as, as though it's now the kind of report that the government should reverse their policies on is lunacy. And anyone who does believe that needs to either look in their back pocket and see if there's a check from TikTok or just completely stop talking in this way. It's embarrassing. And I've never seen such a one-sided view on an application that clearly has some compromises. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Pochamani, and I cannot wait to speak about more exciting things and have a bit more fun with you next week on the show. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.